All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody good and full this morning. Uh, man, what a beautiful day. Everybody feel a little bit of fall in the air this morning. That's nice. Yeah, not quite there, but we're getting close. Well, uh, I just want to thank you for being here this morning, and I hope that I can say this to everybody. I want everybody to look this way for one second. You busy? Just kind of tune in for one second. I want to say good morning, family. There's something powerful about that word, family, right? Now, I hope when I say that, that you know in your heart, man, he's right. I am family. I believe in God. I have a relationship with Jesus. If you don't, then you are my friend. And that's okay to be my friend, but I would rather you be family. I want you to be my brother or sister in Christ. But more so important than that, for any benefit that that has for me and community, I pray that you find the peace in knowing that you are a son or daughter of the King of Kings. Did you know that you can have that this morning? It's all available through faith. Faith, just believing that Jesus is who he said he was, and that's what a lot of Matthew has been about. That's what we're getting back into today. Before we do, uh, been off the last couple weeks. I was here last week but didn't teach. Uh, John Littleford did an amazing job as always. Steve and Shirley, uh, both our brothers did an amazing job, and so thank you for them filling in. And... Um, Grateful, grateful to be here. Always one of my favorite Sundays of the month. Always grateful when the Station Church small group comes out. I know you guys appreciate them and love when they're they're out here as well. And we, we just claim them as our own. So thank you for being here this morning. Uh, but the second reason I'm excited about, about today, it's nice to be back teaching, but I'm also super excited about the passage uh, that we find ourselves in. And I want to tell you one of the reasons that I am. I want you to, to follow along today as intently as you can. Again, Brantley just prayed it up here. Not my words. We don't want you to listen to that because they have no value other than what Christ has led me to say. Okay, so we want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. But here's one of the main reasons today is exciting for me. I want you to know this in full transparency. Everybody hear me this morning. This passage used to scare the bejesus out of me. Have you ever read a passage like that in Scripture? You read it and you think, man, the implications to that of what it means to me or, or what it could mean or what it could mean to somebody that I love and care about, it really scares me. But I got good news. It doesn't scare me anymore. And I want to share to you why this morning. So that's why I'm excited because I'm just going to bet that some of you have read this passage before and you maybe have had that moment too, maybe even laying down at night trying to go to sleep and say, man, Jesus really said that? And it was scary, right? Uh, we, we've run into passages like that before. So uh, before we get into reading today's verse, I want to just recap where we're at. We're in the series of Matthew, uh, particularly here lately. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount, and that's wrapping up. Uh, but there's still many, many great things in the book of Matthew that we'll uh, encounter in that gospel. But specifically for the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Three chapters, 111 verses, written to a Jewish audience trying to let them know that Jesus was who he said he was. I want to recap who's in the crowd. Obviously Jesus, right? We know he's there. We know the 12 disciples are there. We know the other disciples, those not named, those that had began to follow Jesus for the right reasons. You've got the people that are... Um, Maybe on the outside, the fringes that are like, what is this guy about? Like they're, they're exploring, they're seeking. 
You've got those that are there just to see the show. They've heard about amazing things that Jesus has done, and simply they're there. They didn't have AMC movie theaters back there. They're there to watch a show. Like, what, what's going to happen today? I've heard that he's doing all these miracles. We want to see that, right? And then no doubt you had the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, all those on the outside, again, not there looking to learn from Jesus, but looking to catch him, to, to catch him in blasphemy or heresy or something like that, right? And so that's kind of the, the setting. And then the last time we were in Matthew, I'll just tell you this before we read today's passage, it just a refresh. When we were there, we were talking about false prophets, right? Those that were teaching for their own gain, not for the good of bringing people into the kingdom of God. And then we talked about good trees, bad trees, good fruit, bad fruit. Anybody remember those things? All right, so then we're going to pick up today where we're at. So a lot of what the Sermon on the Mount talks about is the good fruit and bad fruit, and I think it actually comes out in today as well. So a couple of verses this morning, starting at Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 21. You just see if you can tell what scared me about this passage. Matthew chapter 7, starting verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's pray. Father, I love that your word is active and living and that even we can find hope in a word that at face value seems scary, uh, maybe uh, hard to understand. Uh, if we just take these verses alone, it, it really is a scary concept, but we pray that you just speak to our hearts this morning, that you encourage and invite those in that have yet to begin relationship with you, that today it starts and for those of us that are in relationship, that we just walk closer. We don't walk in fear, uh, but we take you at your word. And so, Jesus, uh, speak to all these things. We just pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm sure you can pick up on what's scary about verses like that, right? Um, and I want to just be completely transparent here. I try to be as honest as I can with you guys when I teach. I want to say this. It's a scary verse, and it should be for some people. That should be a very scary verse for some people. And I want you to, to think about that, but to listen to this verse again and see how even those who count ourselves as believers, we've staked everything. I mean, think about that. You have staked, if you're a believer in Christ, you have staked absolutely everything on the name of Jesus, on calling on his name, so much so that you feel, if you're a believer, you feel that Jesus died on a cross for your sin, paid your ultimate price, redeemed you, and your faith in him is what puts you in his presence for all eternity. Isn't that the message of the gospel, that all things are forgiven, everything's there? But then yet Jesus comes to a place in his most famous sermon that he's ever preached, and he says these words, not everyone that says, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You see where that's scary? For those of us who believe, those of us have said, I'm calling on the name of Jesus. Now Jesus is saying, not everybody that calls on me will be saved. It's scary stuff. When you take that at face value, and you listen and you read the words of that, it is really haunting. It can have you laying there at night thinking, 
Well, I think I'm a believer. Because if, you, if you've never had doubts, first off, you're probably not being honest. I have doubts. One of my favorite songs right now, is, uh, 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 worship song is by Corey Asbury. It's called Kind. It's a beautiful song. And he says, he, talking about all these prayers and these fights that he has with God, and he says, I still wonder if you're real. If you're not honest with yourself and, and say, man, I, I have doubts sometimes. So when the doubts creep in and then you start to question, am I really a believer? And then you get to a passage like this, it says, not everybody that says my name, not everybody that calls on me is going to be in heaven. That's scary. It's a heavy weight. And if we look at it through religious eyes, and then the, then the thing is, well, I better step my game up, right? If you've read a passage like that and you say, man, I'm scared. I need to start reading my Bible more. I need to start praying more. I need to start giving more. I need to start helping people more. It goes into the agatas and the performance and the doing something to make him love you more. It's not what he's talking about here, though. I have good news this morning. If you'll hang, hang tight with me this morning, let's just go through this together. But we get to this. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Can I ask for a moment of transparency from you this morning? Has anybody ever read that verse that calls yourself a believer and it's a little frightening? Have you ever read that and said, man, that's, that's a little scary? I got me and Jennifer. That's the only people I got. Anybody else? All right. There's a couple more. All right. Now we're, now we're cooking. We've been there, right? Like it, it is a scary verse because we have called on the name of Jesus. And now he is telling the crowd, not everyone who calls on me will be saved. I just want to be right here in this moment. And we said we were going to do this, that we were going to be on this hillside pretending as if we were hearing Jesus speak for the first time. Can I tell you what I would have done that day as a follower of Christ when he says these words? Uh, Jesus, I, what about that for God so loved the world thing? That whoever, I'm a whoever, I've called on the name of Jesus, but now you're kind of contradicting yourself. You're saying, but not everybody who calls on my name, not everybody who says my name will be saved. I need you to go back to that John 3, 16 thing. John, you were there. You wrote it down. What did he say? Whosoever. I need that. I need that inclusion. I don't need to be wondering, am I in or am I out? Am I in the club? Do I have the members only jacket? Some of you from the 80s remember that? Yeah, Jason does. Still has one, he says. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe he doesn't. Two of them. Never mind. What colors? I think he's telling a story. I like them, though. Blue and tan. There we go, if anybody needed to know. But, like, am I in or am I out? And it's like, it, it really feels contradictory right here. It feels like you're saying anybody that wants to believe is in. Anybody can be family. And then you get to a part, Jesus, where you want to tell me not everybody that says Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, we need you to go back to that. You can't throw out whoever and then follow up with this. And then he goes on and says, quote, on that day. Now I want you to know what he's talking about when he says on that day. It's a on that day that none of us like to think about. Anybody want to take a stab at it? Norton's will probably deliver a wreath out there the day it happens, that day. It's on that day that you're no longer physically walking, talking, breathing, any of these things. On that day. I want you to picture that because I want to tell you the God's honest truth, and I mean this from a heart of love. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, that's your prerogative. I pray that you do. 
But it is my belief, and I may be wrong. I, I, maybe God changes, you know, in, in my mind. But I'm telling you, I've staked everything on this. And I'll say this, I, I don't believe I'm wrong. That I believe this, no matter what you believe when you leave this earth, in that instant, you're absent from the body and present with a holy God. And you will have to answer. The question is, how will you stand before him? You stand with him in your own garments of sin and shame, accusation that you believed and bought the lie that you weren't good enough, so you're going to stand and try to tip the scales. There's going to be a moment where you face him, face to face. The holy God that created this world, created you, molded you out of the dust, and he's going to say, what's your answer? Why do I let you in? Is it going to be, but well, my, my grandmother said that she always thought I was going to be a preacher. Or uh, I, I went to church or, uh, you know, sorry, Highlands people. I wore my red shirt and I went out there and served people. I love Highlands folks, but that's funny. Um, I went to the church at Southside and I dipped food. Guys, I don't know how to tell you any more than like, just to be honest, all of that, all of that stuff on its own, on its own merit, he's going to say, depart from me. I don't know you. But it doesn't have to be that way. And the great thing about it is it's not only this, it doesn't have to be that way, but it's free. In a world where there is no such thing as free, it is free. No strings attached, no thing you have to do. It is simply grace, unmerited favor. But on that day, he's speaking of when we pass this life and stand before him. And regardless of your beliefs, I believe you will stand before him. And he says in that moment, on that day, many, listen to me, many, I want everybody to say that out loud. That means not a few, not one, not a couple, not a few misguided souls. Many people are going to be there that day standing before a holy God. And here's what he says. Did we not prophesy in your name? That means Keith right here with a microphone in his hand saying loudly, Jesus is the way that even this prophesying in his name, he could tell me, I don't know you. I don't know you. He says, well, didn't we cast out demons? Have you ever, and some of you may not want to answer at church, I know the Halloween season is upon us, have you ever seen an exorcism type movie? I believe that stuff really exists. I believe demons are real. I believe I have met people that are demon influenced at least, maybe possessed. Some of them may have come in this parking lot. But we pray against that in Jesus' name. But even if we did, even if we saw somebody, because you know what? God doesn't need us to do that. He's in the healing business, right? But if I prayed over someone and, and we see they're demon-possessed and then all of a sudden there's life in their eyes and they're walking clearly, talking clearly, even that on its own. If I stand before him that day and say, but I, I, I cast out a demon in the church at Southside parking lot. I don't know you. Did we not do many good works in your name? Did we not flood the streets and, and, and pass out food? And did we not do all these things? And, and we did it in your name, Jesus. I don't know you. Depart from me. And guys, listen. 
We've all had situations in our life where somebody's walked out, right? We've all had those moments and it hurts, but maybe there's redemption this side of that relationship. But can I tell you in that moment, it's not going to be a depart to me and go think over there in the corner and maybe you'll get the answer right. It's too late. And some of you for the first time today are saying, you know what? I think he's right then don't leave this place without doing business with him. Don't stand there on that day with, on your own accord. We were here a few weeks ago and show up and somebody says, man, you know, Rosalind down the street, she didn't wake up last night. It could be you. And that's not a scare. To, I cannot scare you or I would. I can't make it for you or I would. What I can do and have done is be out here for seven years and trying to tell you every week, you don't have to answer on that day for your own. There's a better way. I pray that you hear that with a heart of love. I pray that as you start to believe that or you start to, to feel that, that it's sinking in. He's right. He's telling the truth today. I never knew you. Can you imagine the heaviness of that moment? Standing because I believe he will equip us with eyes to see that we were wrong. This is how much, and you may think this is a crazy thing to bring up, but I thought about this in the moment after September 11th. Everybody remembers that day. You remember where you were at, what you felt. Can I tell you, whatever happened that day, if you believe exactly how it's spelled out and there are these terrorists that are on a plane and they die for their God, if that's what you want to think happened, they did it, they, they martyred themselves for their God. If that's it, I believe in the moment they hit that building, they were before a holy God and they bowed the knee and said, I was wrong, but it's too late. That's how convinced I am of it. I'm convinced everyone, regardless of their beliefs, will have that moment before a holy God. You will know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, but you can't do anything about it at that point. You only can hear, and it only takes a moment of faith. The Bible says just faith like a mustard seed, a small little bit. That's all it takes. That faith that is churning inside of you right now that's saying he's right, that's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. And all you have to do is listen and believe in faith. If not, then separation from God and everything that is good will be your end forever, for eternity. And nobody has to have that happen. So you can see why this heavy verse seems scary to me. And I want you to know, I want you to listen to what I said. It seemed scary to me. That's a thing called past tense. It doesn't scare me anymore. I want to share with you why. Think back to much to what I've tried to teach in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the heart of the matter, right? How many times have you heard me say that? If you've been here, station folks or regular folks, if you've been here, you have heard me in this series say, it's the heart of the matter. Why do you do what you do? Jesus saying over and over, you've heard it said, but I tell you. Just to remind you of that. Uh, you've heard it said, you know, about anger. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? You, and you say, well, maybe like murder. You shouldn't murder anybody, right? We, and we could all, hopefully in this crowd, say, check, I, I haven't done that. Maybe somebody has, and there's grace for that. I don't understand it, but there's grace. But you say, man, I haven't done that. Well, then Jesus says, well, you've heard it said that it's that way. But I tell you, if you've looked at somebody with anger, you've already killed them anyway. It's heart of the issue. 
It's so much deeper than we ever thought. And really what it does is it paints us and puts us in a place that nobody's exempt from needing grace. Nobody. Billy Graham, if he stood before God on that day, on that day, the day that was determined for him to stand before a holy God when he had breathed his last, and millions, if, I mean thousands, if not millions, have given their heart to his message that he preached, if it was only that that he was doing on his own strength, do you know what God told Billy Graham? I don't know you. You may think I'm crazy, but you can have the greatest crusade worldwide, tons of people walking down an aisle without Jesus. Depart from me. I never knew you. But Lord, did I not teach all those people? And you're, I don't know you. If Billy Graham's not exempt from that moment, then you and I, I promise, are not either, right? That it's a heavy moment, and it really just breaks down to the heart of the matter and why we do what we do. Good fruit, bad fruit, right? The bad fruit is doing something for show, right? The good fruit is what we do for Jesus. I think this passage is talking about the religious. No real change, no conversion, no faith and trust in Jesus, only themselves. And make no mistake, the church is full of them. That is why Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, some that you sit right next to in a pew before in your church, some that have tried to witness to you, some that have uh, gone on mission trips that you know, some that have ministries, this guy standing here, without Jesus, depart from me, I never knew you. But I want you to hear me this morning. If you know Jesus, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, there is nothing, nothing, nothing to fear about this passage. Nothing. You say, well, but Keith, you're, you're telling me here that, you know, this is a moment Jesus himself is saying, if you, you, you may call on me, but not everybody that calls on me will be saved. Again, this is about the religious. This is about people doing things in their own strength. And here's why I believe this is the case. I want to take you back in the Sermon on the Mount. Just think about it. When Jesus talked about giving, he said, don't give to be seen by other people. You remember that? Remember me telling you the example of the grand prize game, you know, Bozo's grand prize game for the old folks in the crowd? Young folks will tell you later. There's a creepy clown that had kids throwing stuff at the ping pong balls, right? Remember that? I don't like clowns, by the way. It's not I'm scared of them. I just don't trust them. Any grown man that would paint his face that Anyway, just watch John Wayne Gacy, some of that kind of stuff. You'll understand. But the people would take and they'd have this big copper, you know, horn that they would give their money in. And it was all coin based. And if they had a dollar, they would change it out for 100 pennies. That was the math that we used. And they would stand back there and make this big show. Nobody could tell how much they was given. But buddy, they were tossing a lot. And Jesus said, in that moment, you got your reward. Those people gawking and oohing and on. But the widow that took the mite up there and laid it down gently, probably ashamed. He said, that lady. That's how you do it. Heart of the matter. Then he said about the prayers. He said, when you pray, he said, don't heap up empty phrases. Don't get out there like the Pharisees and, you know, for everybody to hear. So when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, you know, holy is your name. You know, like you were talking to a friend, like we're in relationship. He even said it with the ones fasting. He said, when you fast, he said, don't, don't come into the city looking all gloomy. 
right? Don't be fasting and John asks you, man, what's wrong with you? Well, John, if you must know, I'm, I'm on a biblical fast at the moment and I am famished, but I am so holy. It's not it. So it's doing it for show. It's doing it to, to make myself look good. All of these things, right? Giving all that money, fasting, praying all these fancy prayers without Jesus. Depart from me. I never knew you. I don't know who you are. I believe Jesus is getting to the crescendo, the final moment of the Sermon on the Mount. I want to go back to the thoughts of standing before God and all those excuses. And Jesus I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons. I did mighty works. I want you to listen to what he's saying here. He's talking to people that are going to stand before him and say, I, I, I. Do you, you picking up on that? I, 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 I taught in your name. I, I did that. I did that. I, I, I prophesied, right? I, I, I helped people. I, I, I did all these things. Did I do? I, I did many mighty works. The problem is, the problem is, anybody friends of Alistair Begg, the, the sermon that he did, the man on the middle cross, if you've never heard that, amazing. He's talking about the thieves on the cross, Jesus in the middle, right? Jesus is on the middle, and these two thieves that are on the cross, and they had both, by the way, not just one, both cursed Jesus and, and mocking him and saying, if you're the Savior, hop down and save yourself, and by the way, save us, right? By the end of it, one of them says, he's the Christ. And what does Jesus famously say? Today. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Alistair Begg says that when that guy gets there, he must have been the most confused man in all the world. When they're at, why are you here? Never been baptized. Never taught in Sunday school. Never read his Bible. Never prayed. Cursed Jesus in person. But Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. What was his excuse? He said, the man on the middle cross said I could come. You see, that's a guy that got it. He didn't stand before a holy God and say, well, I did this, I did that, I tried to help people, I did that. He said, he, who was in the third person. Jesus is talking to religion versus relationship. He's talking to religious people that have out there and worked their damn hands to the bone trying to impress a holy God, and it says that there's no use. Our righteousness, it says, is like filthy rags. Can I be honest with you what those rags are? It is the, the, a woman's time of the month. Those rags, that, the filthiness, that is your righteousness. That's it. That's what he's describing. The best you can muster up on your best day are filthy rags. And so you want to get there with those filthy rags and say, ah, ah, ah. Let me tell you, if you are up there using yourself as an example, the word says clearly, everybody, all, every single person has fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone needs grace. Everyone needs grace. Why in God's name, when a free gift of paid and freaking full, would you stand there on your own? We're asked all the time, why do we do what we do? To tell this message. To implore, listen, this is the truth. This is the way. This is the only way. There is no other way. Jesus has been warning this entire sermon. Check your heart. Why are you doing what you're doing? The heart of the matter 
He's saying, if you're doing this on your own strength, the best intentions, trying to do good, all about you, it's all going to end and depart from me. I don't know you. I don't have a relationship with you. It's all about him. I know without a doubt I'm talking to two people today. You say, well, Keith, there's a little bit more here than that. But no, there's two kinds of people in this crowd. There's those that know him. I want to tell you this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If you know him and he knows you, nothing can change that. In fact, I want to share with you a good verse to combat the scary one. Can I do that this morning? It's found in Romans 8, one of my favorite when thinking about something like this. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, by the way, even including your sin, your shortcomings, your own way that you get into, will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you know him, nothing, nothing can separate you. If you go out here today and go on the biggest bender of all time and you feel shame and you feel accusation, you feel all that, there's a better way. But if you know him, there's grace. Doesn't change your standing as a son or daughter of God. Nothing can do that if you know him. Nothing can separate the heights, the depths, things of this earth, demons, anything. It says nothing can separate you from the love of God. But the second person I'm talking to, and I mean this with love, those that don't know him, you should be fearful. And I don't say that as a scare tactic. I don't say that pull on the heartstrings. I'm, I'm honestly, I feel called more than any kind of teacher. I don't feel I'm a good teacher. I feel God has given me a shepherd's heart to care for people. And the best that I can shepherd is tell you the truth. If you don't know him, you have reason to be fearful. Because this is a very real moment that will happen. You will stand before a holy God on that day. It might be tomorrow. It might be a hundred years from now. I don't know, but that day will come barring his return. And all of those good deeds, all of those things that you've tried to tip the scale or maybe say, I don't really believe in that God thing, but I'm just going to try to be a good person. Depart from me. I don't know you. Because it's not about what you've done. It's about what he's done. All we've done is fall short, right? We've talked about that. No one's safe from that. I don't care how good you've been, no one is safe. In closing, I want to tell you this, though. It's good news. You can meet him today. And I pray you will because redemption has been paid for. And I want to tell you what redemption is. It means to buy back. I want you to think about it in this light. Sin took us away from him. We were in the garden. We were his. We had perfection, relationship, one-on-one with God. That was always the intention. Sin took us away from that. It entered the picture, and doing so brought death. Never was part. That's why death is so hard. Do you realize we weren't equipped to even have to deal with that? We're equipped to live forever. Sin enters the picture, brings along death and all the stuff that sin brings. But sin took us away from him in the garden. Redemption puts us back there.
It is a buying back. You are already his. You were created as his. Sin enters the picture, puts us in this world. We inherit the sin nature, all of these things. He redeemed you and bought you back. I want him again. I want him as mine. I want her as mine. But there's only one way to enter, and it's faith in Christ. It's got to enter through faith. Our, our, our simple brains would like, well, I wish there was some kind of checklist I could follow. You got to believe. I say, I, I, I'm done with my sin. I need a Savior. Forgive me. Repent. Turn. I'm yours. I believe. That's the only way uh, to have that redemption. But you have to decide. I pray you choose Him. I love you. And I'm praying that you leave this place today knowing Him if you don't already. You pray with me this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day that you've given us. And I know today uh, is a heavy message, um, but God, it should be. Uh, it is a moment that we will all face. It is one that we say on that day. We all have an appointment with that day. None of us know when that day is. But on that day, we will stand before a holy God and we'll only be able to answer one of two ways. We'll have to try to answer on our own accord. I, I did this. I did that. I didn't do that. I didn't do this. And it's humbling to think that any of those we, any of those ways leave my friends in this parking lot hearing the words depart from me. I don't know you. And what a shame because they, they've heard it. If they've been here, they've heard the gospel. We don't always get things right, but they've heard that you love them and that you've made a way. And so it's my prayer everybody here today takes that to heart and that when they have that moment on that day and they stand before you, it's not a bunch of I did this, I did that. We can look you eye to eye. Say, he, he did this for me. And we stand covered in the blood of Jesus and I don't get the idea of grace. I really don't understand it like I should, but I know that your word tells us that in that moment, you'll look at us as enclosed in the righteousness of your per perfect son. That we're accounted as, as if we were like Jesus. And all it takes is faith. All it takes is believing and putting our lot in with you and saying, I, I believe. I sinned. I messed up. I fell short. Thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. I believe. And then we walk in redemption. It's as simple as that. It sounds so simple because it is. It's just simple. But God, it takes faith. It takes courage to do that. Especially, Father, I, I just feel bold to say this. There's a lot in this crowd that feel like they're loners, feel like they're called to be that, and that they're just going to handle it all on their own. It's not really even a way to live this life. We were built for community, but it for sure isn't a way to live life and answering to you on that day. We can't do it alone. We need a Savior. And so, Jesus, help us be with my friends this morning. If someone's here doesn't know you, all they have to do is say, Jesus, I need you. Father, I need you. I believe in Jesus. I accept him as Savior, and I want to walk in that the rest of my life. If we already do, let's not be fearful, but let's just walk in a way of just being thankful for the grace that you've afforded us. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we love you. And Jesus, we thank you. We pray it in your name. Amen.